Welcome to the latest episode of the IDERA DevOps Tools podcast. Our goal is to educate and inform you about key topics in software development with solutions that help almost 1 million users throughout every step of building, testing, and deploying applications. Our experts are poised to provide enticing insights, perspectives, and information. I'm Jackie King, and with me is Ranarek Studio Product Manager, John Reynolds. Thanks, Jackie, and hi, everyone. So as Jackie said, uh, I am product manager for NRX. NRX Studio exists to eliminate the complicated details around UI test automation. So wouldn't it be great if we could just completely eliminate the test automation step and have some AI that could generate all of the tests for us? There's certainly a lot of talk in the test automation tool market around both AI and machine learning. And when you look at what's happening with technology like self-driving cars, the idea of self-writing tests doesn't seem that far-fetched. And self-writing tests is probably what most people think of when they hear AI-driven test automation. But at least for now, I don't think that's the state of the art in the industry. I read recently that Pulse Opinion Research surveyed IT leaders about AI and test automation. And in that survey, only 4% said that AI features of their test automation worked, quote, very well. And at the same time, another 55% rated the AI features of their test automation as either fair or poor. So at least in this group, there definitely seems to be a gap between what users are expecting and what tools that claim to have AI are delivering. Yeah, I think that's partly due to the confusion around what these terms actually mean and the level of AI technology that currently exists in test automation. So let's start just by discussing the meaning of these key terms. First, when we say artificial intelligence or AI, the most common definition is the ability of a computer to mimic or imitate human intelligent behavior, such as thinking, reasoning, learning from experience, or making decisions. Some of the earliest applications of AI were chess playing devices. So shortly after World War II, Alan Turing developed a program called TuroChamp that can play an entire game of chess. It worked by analyzing all possible moves as well as an opponent's next potential move and then assigning a point score to these possibilities. The program then selected the move with the highest score. The problem was that the computers at the time weren't really capable of such a complex algorithm, so it was never used during Turing's lifetime. A more modern example of AI would be Amazon's new robot that can carry small items through the home, tell you dad jokes, and then return to a charging dock before running out of battery. Another common example in homes is a robot vacuum that can scan a room, identify obstacles, and then decide on the most efficient route for cleaning your carpet or floor. And of course, self-driving cars are another common example of AI implementation. <laughs> that reminds me. So um, at a Chili's restaurant in my area, they have a robot named Rita that walks you to your table from the host stand. It's actually pretty funny. When you get to your table, Rita says that her algorithm has identified the perfect table for you. But as far as I can tell, the table is actually selected by the person working at the host stand, so I don't think we can really call that AI. But let's go ahead and turn our attention to machine learning. How is machine learning different from AI? 
So machine learning is just a subset of AI, where the focus is on the ability of a computer to learn and adapt through experience, usually through building models. So AI is a broader concept that includes the ability of a computer to apply what it learns to solve problems and make independent decisions. There are actually two types of machine learning. They're both supervised and unsupervised. In supervised machine learning, the algorithm is provided with labeled input to train the algorithm. Well, unsupervised learning does the labeling of all of this data on its own. Let's take a look at a couple of real-world examples of supervised machine learning. Facial recognition and speech recognition. Think about how you train such a device like Siri or Alexa to recognize your voice or train your phone to recognize your face and fingerprint. You provide a series of inputs. With each input, the device then learns a little bit more about you until it builds a model that, can it, that it can use in the real world. Another example of supervised machine learning, going back to the example of a robot vacuum, uh, brings us to one well-known problem that has been experienced by any Roomba owners who also have pets. Uh, the device has the potential to spread dog poo as it moves around the home. So if your pet makes a mess in the floor, the robot vacuum could run right over it and just take it, take it with it and spread it everywhere it goes. So The Verge recently released a report that, Roomba, that the Roomba maker, iRobot, has been working on this for years and recently announced a solution using a combination of machine learning and the built-in vision of the robot to train the devices to identify and avoid pet messes. To do this, they built a huge database of fake pet messes using Play-Doh or any other kind of modeling clay and uh, you know, other you know, materials. Uh, but they use this to train their AI vision system. On the other hand, in unsupervised machine learning, instead of giving computer the categories of objects, such as fake piles of dog poo, you allow the computer to discover hidden patterns of data categories without the need for human intervention. One example of this is a recommendation engine on a shopping site. Uh, this may look at your past purchase history, and trends and what similar customers are buying in order to suggest additional items for you to buy during the checkout process. Another example of unsupervised learning is how Google News categorizes articles on the same story from various online news outlets. So some real world applications require a combination of supervised and unsupervised machine learning, and this is referred to as semi-supervised machine learning. Okay, that makes sense. So let's take a look at another term. What is deep learning? Well, just as machine learning is a subset of AI, deep learning is a subset of machine learning. So deep learning refers to a machine learning algorithms that uses an artificial neural network, basically a brain-like structured layer of algorithms. It may help us to use an extremely simple example. So let's assume that your income can be calculated based on your education level and years of experience. A software engineer would create an algorithm based on this knowledge. So now if you input some test data, the algorithm can use it to predict a person's income. Compare that to deep learning, such as what's necessary to help a self-driving car recognize a stop sign. First, the artificial neural network would learn to recognize for itself the features of the stop sign, such as its edges and colors. Then the deep learning algorithm would be fed data so that it could learn from its own errors and identify where its processes need to be adjusted 
without any human intervention. The critical thing with self-driving cars is how do they collect that data? Some, some of this data collection can happen in a lab, but data collection is also happening in the real world. When people think about self-driving cars, they tend to think Tesla because that's been in the news a lot. But recently, CNBC reported that GM or General Motors autonomous vehicle subsidiary Cruise plans to have at least one million self-driving cars by 2030. So this is a technology that's developing very quickly. Moving on, what does AI or machine learning look like when it's applied to the test automation industry? Well, we're not yet at a point where tests can write themselves. For AI or machine learning, you've got to have data that the computer can use to learn and make decisions. But here are some applications of machine learning that we do see in the real world. First, we can talk about self-healing tests. So when a button or other object moves or the test environment changes slightly, does your tool automatically detect this change and continue? To resolve this type of issue, the typical approach that you see in some tools is to fix the UI elements recognition settings and then rerun the failed and unexecuted tests. And RenderX actually does this. We have a machine trained self-healing feature that can automatically rerun some failed tests with a more robust object path trying to find the item using some additional criteria. Then you have object recognition like image validation. Can your tool compare an expected image with actual results? Part of training an algorithm involves reviewing your tool's results and correcting errors. Over time, your tool should be more reliable and make fewer validation mistakes. Uh, I remember watching a Ministry of Testing presentation called The Rise of the Guardians, Testing Machine Learning Algorithms 101. This was presented by Patrick Prill, and he gave a pretty good example of how machine learning algorithms have to be trained with huge data sets. Thousands or millions of samples are needed just to identify something as simple as the number seven inside an image to ensure it's not confused with other letters or numbers like the number one. Another one of the biggest challenges, challenges in test automation is handling web elements with dynamic IDs. For example, fields related to a user profile might have a different ID for each new session. In early versions of RenderX Studio, we handled this by configuring path weight rules that disregard dynamic ID in favor of stable attributes. But a couple of years ago, we introduced a machine-trained algorithm that can detect dynamic IDs and web elements and disregard them, choosing other more stable attributes to uniquely identify each element. As for those tests writing themselves, there are potential data sources that an AI could use. For example, if you're developing using an approach such as behavior-driven development in a language like Cucumber, then it's possible to imagine that you could use your BDD statements as input to train an AI on the expected behavior of your application, which it could then test. Or if you're using a tool that tracks how users engage with a product, you could take that data and then use it to create automated regression tests. But currently these applications of AI for test automation are really in their infancy. So what's your advice to someone who might be considering buying a test automation tool that claims it does AI? So before I go into answering that, I'm just gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent here and bring up the latest Zillow problems that made major news lately. 
Briefly, for those who aren't aware, Zillow used a machine learning algorithm called iBuying to predict home prices and make cash offers on homes with the expectation of turning those homes around for a profit. After having purchased over 9,000 homes in the third quarter of 2021, Zillow's executives came to the conclusion that the iBuying program put the company's future at risk by overvaluing too many homes. There are various reports and comments by executives that they could tweak the algorithm and make some changes for the long run, but they were not willing to bet the stake of the company on that program. So as a result, executives shut down the program at the beginning of November, laying off around 25% of their workforce. So now Zillow has a multi-billion dollar inventory of homes, and a Business Insider report indicates that in Zillow's five biggest markets, they're listing the majority of these homes for less than their purchase price. So a lesson which can be learned from Zillow, which can be applied to any tool, whether it's AI-based or not, is you have to evaluate what the tool is promising and ensure you, you will get what you paid for. So did the iBuying program offer machine learning? Yeah, definitely. Was the program good enough to meet Zillow's needs? Uh, these results definitely tell us no. So if you're choosing a test automation tool or really any other tool which offers AI, you just need to ask a lot of questions. Um, what does AI imply with this tool? How does the application learn or adapt to your own specific use cases? Um, what, is, what does this application um, do or where does it source the data to feed the model? Um, and there are many other questions you could ask along these lines. But to me, the most important thing to do is a complete and thorough uh, proof of concept. Uh, demo videos and sales teams can make a tool look great, um, but what are your testers saying? Do your testers think that the tool delivers on its promise by providing zero maintenance tests, no code, or other AI buzzwords? Uh, will the tool allow you to increase test coverage and test faster and have fewer flaky tests? Or are there functionality gaps which will require you to still maintain multiple testing frameworks? And in the end, is the tool a good investment? At RenRx, we're constantly improving the algorithm for RenRx Spy, which is used to detect UI elements within mobile, web, and desktop apps. We have a full set of codeless automation capabilities, so you can record a test and add validations and conditions without writing code. That being said, you still have to enter in your validations, and you're not just never touching a keyboard. And we have wizards for things like integrating with Jira or TestRail and for instrumenting a web browser or mobile application. But we don't call these things AI quite yet because the human is still doing the decision making and it's really important for us to accurately represent the capabilities of our tool. So in conclusion, we've discussed several terms related to AI and how it relates to test automation and other items in the real world. Uh, AI is the broadest term describing everything from very simple applications such as predictive algorithms all the way up to self-driving cars. Machine learning is a subset of AI is most commonly what you see in test automation. These applications require massive amounts of data to make decisions. And realistically, we're still in the early stage of machine learning applications in automated testing. Well, thank you, John, for discussing AI and test automation with us today. And thank you to everyone who's listened in. Ranarex eliminates the complicated details around UI test automation while helping users to collaborate and improve software quality. If you'd like to learn more about the topic of AI in test automation 
or test automation in general, check out the blogs, ebooks, and webinars that are available at the RenRx website, www.renrx.com.